2: Hey everybody, Wizard and the Bruiser and Page 7 are going back on the road this summer. That's right, Release the Butthole Cut Tour returns. Where are we going, Jake? Oh, you can find us
3: in Salt Lake City, Denver, Las Vegas, Portland, Tacoma, Oklahoma City,
2: Kansas City, and St. Louis, Missouri. LastPodcastNetwork.com for tickets. Go to LastPodcastNetwork.com for Page 7 and Wizard and the Bruiser present Release the Butthole Cut Tour. Razor the Razor Hey, everybody. I'm a talking wall run wizard, Holden McNeely. That's right. A talking wall run, a talking action you could take in a video game shooter that really changed the face of mobility when it came to them shooty gun games. Hey, everyone. You remember me, the talking wall run. Let me talk to you, kids. Let me talk to you, kids. And I am a free to play
3: battle royale shooter that uh, has been. <laughs> Uh, A delighting friend. I'm a talking (laughs) battle royale (laughs) team-based ability hero shooter uh, with a uh, very uh, active player base who uh, simultaneously... Revel in the high paced action and intense team fights, as well as uh hating every second of everything. (laughs) Oh, wait a second, like all high level free to play gamers. Honestly, (laughs) you talked to I I went into so many low uh viewer Twitch chat Apex Legends like streams just to like pick brains, and all of them were like, Yeah, welcome to my hell. (laughs) This is a nightmare, I can't stop, I'll never stop. Uh, shit we're getting third party we're getting third party get out here! Get of here
2: get out of here anyway uh, glad to see you're here uh, thanks for the bits that was it that was my entire week <laughs> I'm struggling to come up with a good intro for this because I just want to be like hi I'm a talking really good game that feels great to play that is just this is the story of Respawn Entertainment oh I even you know didn't what I should
3: have re- been you should have just done hi it's me BT your big beefy oh Titan yeah, daddy. yeah I should have done that I, uh, Object uh, Protocol 3 Protect the pilot.
2: BT, will you marry me?
3: (laughs) I will absolutely marry you and use this fun time jump mechanic to go on our first date (laughs) while you're marrying me.
2: (laughs) This is the story of Respawn Entertainment, which I didn't even realize is also really the story of Call of Duty. I could see us still having a Call of Duty episode, but it it is... is—it's No, this is a classic. This is a
3: classic. We didn't know what the fuck we were in for. We saw the new Star Wars game was coming out. We're like, oh, Respawn's a fun company they have like an interesting story <laughs> and whoopsie doodle it's the entirety of modern video game history like literally it's, it's
2: incredible literally these guys.
3: The, the military combat shooter all the way to battle royales like everything after quake and unreal tournament is like their story it's the same fucking guys the whole way through
2: it's unbelievable how little these guys misstep I mean I didn't even realize I didn't put it all together the specific games that they made as Respawn, but then I looked at the list and I was like, holy shit, these are all incredible <laughs> and diverse as well. We're not just talking about first-person shooters. We're not just talking about um, really good cinematic single-person story mode. We're talking about Battle Royale. We're talking about one of the best Souls-likes and one of the best Star Wars games that I think has ever come out, much less a Metroidvania on, to boot. Fallen Order is like my so my jam like, I love it so much because it was such a breath of fresh air as a new Star Wars game. Straight up. I'm not Mr. I need Star Wars games in my life anyways. Like, it's not like I don't have that same kind of uh, uber fandom mm-hmm. uh, anticipation for whatever Star Wars shit. In fact, I wish there'd be a little less of it these days because I I can't watch all this stuff at once.
3: All right. All right. All right. If you're engaging with a Star Wars property and those little roly poly Joy Decca droids come out. Do uh-huh. you go wee? Or do you go, <laughs> what the fuck are those?
2: I go, wee, 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 all the way
1: home.
3: You're a fan. You're a fan. You're a, a droideca class <laughs> Star Wars nerd.
2: I just I loved that game so much when it came out. It was it felt made for me. I'm a massive Metroidvania fan. I'm a massive Souls fan and FromSoft fan. And then also to give it that Star Wars skin as well and tell a really interesting facet of the star wars story like the order 60 order 66 yeah i'm gonna say the number wrong to, you know going through all that it, it it really is such a beautiful package i'm so excited for the new game to come out as well uh survivor which is i believe timed with the with the drop of this episode right as you already mentioned i think so and unless it's
3: been delayed has it been delayed maybe it has we'll find out
2: but <laughs> it's just so crazy to see like oh wow they gave us that So then you have Apex Legends, which unfortunately, you know, for me personally, I had such a hot and heavy romance when it came to PUBG, or not PUBG, to Battle Royale games with PUBG. Mm I just, I was so intense with that game, and it was such a big part of my life. It was such a big part of, like, my first year or two of uh, being, you know, semi-pro live streamer. And, you know, I think when the other... Battle Royale games started coming out. Like, I definitely was like, I can't do this Fortnite thing. I don't like this building aspect. Mm -hmm. But then Apex came out, and I was literally just like, I know how many hours it takes to fucking get into this thing, man. Like, Mm -hmm. I know with PUBG, it took just dozens and dozens of hours till I could finally semi-consistently get a chicken dinner or whatever. But still it was that game that that kept being talked about i really didn't think it was going to rise above the rest and it just i kept hearing it in games media and people hype about it and even you jake i believe were were got into it for a little bit of time and it is just such a consistently solid Seeming gameplay experience for people and like really, really is everyone's like main, a lot of people's main battle royale game they love to play. And then we're like going backwards in time. But then before that, you've got one of the best ever with a bullet pun intended, single-player FPS campaigns in Titanfall 2. Mm -hmm. That thing, if you want to wow somebody with a single-player, even today, and how long ago did that game come out? I mean, it is still... I played it for
3: the first time this week, that single-player campaign, and it it is... Man, it's good. It is a level of quality and dedication that, like... Yeah, should not exist anymore. Nowadays, the campaign is an afterthought. It's, you know, it's all in service of these multiplayer games of service, free to play experiences. Totally. And Titanfall 2 might be the last great single player
2: FPS campaign ever made. You feel the care in every single one of their products that is taken. You feel the enthusiasm that their team has. And it's such a singular, unique experience that we've gotten to cover with other dev groups, dev teams in the past for sure. But it this is really one of the best examples of like I and the only problem is in all of my research and everything, and I think this is just something that goes along with studying video game developers, I still couldn't really click into what is the secret of their success? Oh, What is in that sauce? What makes their games feel so fucking good? What makes their products just so clearly rise above the rest? I mean, the only thing in their lineage that you could look at, I mean, maybe you could say Titanfall 1 just because it was multiplayer only. It was kind of a stepping stone to get to Titanfall 2. And Mm -hmm. regardless, that franchise, though it's beloved by a lot of gamers, wasn't necessarily looked at as this like gigantic smash hit per se um because of what it was going up against at the time it was going up against they were going up against their own creation essentially with (laughs) call of duty but it's definitely a really good sign that it was incredibly successful especially in the long run when you have call of duty aping all of their innovations when it came to combat movement with advanced warfare and all that kind of stuff but still the only thing on their list is like that I was like, oh, no one really talked about that. There's like a VR Medal of Honor experience that I've really not heard a lot about that I'd still be really interested to play. Everything else is just a huge, if it didn't massively innovate, if it's not now at least looked back on as one of like the high watermarks of like, let's say, FPS games with Titanfall's single player campaign, it's, it's, They've made one of the best, if not the best Battle Royale experiences. They've made maybe the, I would say it's my favorite Star Wars game and one of the best Souls-likes out there, in my opinion. Uh, It's just really unbelievable how how much they've been able, how successful they've, they've been able to be within this ecosystem and all the while getting fucked over by Activision, lawsuits, all this kind of crazy stuff, getting totally, like... Being absorbed by, or, or or working with at least EA, a by all means, you know, essentially they went from one evil to another evil empire in a lot of ways, according to most people viewing games media and stuff. I mean, and have still managed to thrive and not get eaten up by the corporate system like so many developers have been. And it seems like they've really been able to maintain this level of quality and just this absolute, like... It seems like they're just kind of impenetrable, you know, in this way that I don't find with, like, I can't believe they haven't been, like, dissolved at this point. And then you also have, they have the hot, one of the hottest games of the year coming out uh, at the end of April, or it probably, I believe, will already be out. April hit it. bigger,
3: faster, and stronger. (laughs)
2: A bit. <laughs> and on top of that, you've you've got uh you know they already still are ongoing with Apex, which is st- continued its success all this time. It's it's really it's really something else. It's really uh it's really unbelievable. You kind of nailed it with game feel. Uh the f- the fact
3: is the logo of Respawn Entertainment is the braille for the letter R literally like drawing attention to the fact that what they are going for, you must be able to like feel with your hands. And it's that dedication to like refining and just like trying to make sure that nothing is done until it feels great. That really kind of, uh, is the reason why it's this team that has jumped from company to company and has iterated and iterated on this core feeling of just getting something in your hands because clicking on heads when it's, (laughs) when you're down to the end of the day, if you're a first person shooter, you're just, here is a scenario in which you have to click on heads. Maybe you're clicking on alien heads. Maybe you're clicking on Nazi heads. (laughs) Maybe you're clicking on fellow player heads, but the, but what is the difference between uh, just a boring experience and something so compelling and, and, and exhilarating that you can't put it down? It's it's been this team the whole time that has been iterating and jumping and refining, and when as soon as they are imposed upon to like do things that don't feel good anymore or compromise their vision or just really. Uh, just just like start d- kind of creating a diminished product, they just nope the fuck out of there and it's gotten them in trouble before. But the end result is uh, you have something where, you know, they released Titanfall and Titanfall 2, legendary games, com- the underdog story of the 2010s. Like everybody, every gaming uh, maven is like, uh, it's a shame about Titanfall and Titanfall 2 because those are like some of the best games ever. And nobody really, you know, they were, they were flops and that's a shame. And then turning around and making one of the most popular battle Royale games out of that lore, out Uh of that design, out of that legacy, down to like a shared uh, story and a shared like arsenal Um, to stuff like Jedi Fallen Order, like you said, where EA branded Star Wars games were enemy numero uno across the entire gaming thing and only Respawn could like show up and be like no this is going to be a real single player game it's not going to have loot boxes it's not going to have a season pass
0: bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in california and starting up new infrastructure in the gulf of mexico it's and not or
2: we're going to give people actually what they want. We're going to make them feel, we're going to do our very best to actually make them feel like Jedi. And I think they killed it by applying the Dark Souls, very intentional combat approach to, uh, to the Star Wars Jedi experience was so smart because up until that point too, and we'll get back into Fallen Order later, but up until that point, even with like, what was it? Force Awakens on the Wii, like you're just throwing shit and, and slamming things around and nothing can hurt you, but it's just wild and mashy. You're talking about
3: Force Unleashed starring everybody's favorite character,
2: (laughs) Starkiller.
3: The cool character everyone loves, Starkiller.
2: And that was the first instance of like, wow, we have Jedi powers and this is so cool, but when you look back on it, it's like it's so mashy. It's just like... You can kind of just brainlessly get through these different scenarios whereas this actually was an attempt to say hey you're a Jedi and shit is going to be tough and and in order to get through these sequences you ha- it's a one hit kill but you have got to figure out how to you've got a parry and you've got to like really manage this combat in a way that makes you actually feel like a seasoned fighter that's you know that's using their mind and their will force of will to to best these other opponents in this way that's like much more gripping and interesting. So they just really figure out like, it's like they really dig in and be like what is great about first person shooters let's say like what 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 could be iterated on what could make it feel better let's add wall runs let's add mechs let's add these like a double jump even and really make you feel like you can just traverse and get around and do these really slick cool feeling kills that you hadn't really gotten to up until that point especially because they were mostly dealing with like they had just started getting into more, the more modern warfare Literally uh genre, right? Up until a certain point, it was all World War II and old school kind of scaled back combat approaches. So it, it uh, it's like they just always are on the cutting edge, you know? And they've had success with that. And even, I mean, that's the thing you just mentioned with Titanfall. I think a lot of people look at Titanfall as like, oh, it's so underrated and like not enough people played this game, but I think now at this point it, it holds its place in video game history as like man, they really made if nothing else these newer Call of Duty games feel way better <laughs> and are way cooler. They um they really up the ante on what a single player campaign experience could be. And then like exactly like and out of all of that too, you get Apex Legends one you know one of the best strongest. Uh, battle Royale experiences you can get today. It kind of... I wouldn't know. I've played it all week and have consistently
3: gotten my shit kicked <laughs> in, so I don't yeah, understand I, quite what it's about. That's why,
2: like I said, it was hard for me to like get into it, honestly, when it came out, but I was like, I see how this is awesome. I'm just like know how much this is going to take to get to the point where i'm actually consistently doing well and all that good stuff but still it is evo
3: shield here awesome okay i got my mozambique laying down smoke grenade here we go bangalore main let's oh and i've been shot 50 times in the face and i okay all right well All right, one more time. Back into the breach. Let's go. But I would argue... Oh, I I also died. I would argue it is... I think I got three kills total out of, like, hours of gameplay. I'm so
2: glad this can humble you from your bullshitty mobile battle royale experiences oh, where they I killed, trick it. You I into killed thinking it on apex that, mobile oh like, well I, of course don't they just don't they just give apex you bot mobile. players to make you think you're doing well so you they spend a do? bunch of money on their bullshit they do also
3: they're closing uh apex mobile at the end of the month because it's mm-hmm. um it just didn't make enough money and it requires like an entire separate team of hundreds of developers I bet. but that's neither here nor there uh, but also, I play tons of Overwatch and tons of Fortnite. So I thought, like, hero-based abilities, got it. Uh, survival on a big map, got it. I'm built for this game. I played Dying Fall 2. I got my wall runs down. Yeah. I am ready. I'm not your you got average your, You got your
2: 12-year-old 12, 12 racial slurs ready to rock, uh, ready to throw them out there. Oh, I turned chat. I've never <laughs> turned
3: on voice <laughs> chat, ever. What the fuck is wrong with you? You, you actually... <laughs> I want to hear those monsters. I'm just
2: in it for the slurs, Jake. I mean, this is not, I don't even play the game. Also,
3: Apex Legends has a a very robust ping system that almost negates the need for voice chat. Another one. in their many innovations.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, I feel like it's time we got into it, but I cannot praise this company and group of people enough. I mean, again, by the way, it's not like the same four guys or something. I mean, there's, it's a fluctuating team. It's, uh, but I, there's something going on
3: team, but there is a surprise, amount of uh, loyalty and through. A lot of these guys that have made all these different games have been around for the entire run It seems like the
2: secret is that support. I think everybody feels really supported to let their ideas fly. And we'll talk about that. They'd have these like internal game jams and stuff like that to try to come up with a lot of these innovative ideas. And I think there's a sense of exploration and an openness for people to come in and innovate and do interesting things. And they don't just try to shut it down and keep things rigid and just try to make the money. I think that they understand that the money gets made uh, with with really th- big enthusiasm for the projects they're working on and not through some just sitting around think tanking how to, how to make the money. All right, here we go. Respawn Entertainment, LLC, an American video game development studio founded in 2010 by Jason West and Vince Zampella, and it's owned by Electronic Arts since 2017. We've already mentioned their many games, the Titanfall series, Apex Legends, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, and the much-anticipated Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Just Just a really surprisingly, like, consistent release from these people. It is kind of nuts. And,
3: of course, their story begins, like all, like, maybe a third of, actually, a third of all of our episodes begin with a random flight of fancy of America's cinema master, Steven
2: Spielberg. That's right. Well, you've got Vince Ampella and Jason West linked up on the game Medal of Honor Allied Assault. Before that, though, uh, Zampella worked on games for the Jaguar as a producer. It's his.
3: Zampella's fucking. uh, 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 What do you call it? His CV is full of such hot dog shit (laughs) for this company called Game Tech that made like. Shitty Wheel of Fortune ports, yeah, yeah. Jaguar games that went nowhere, Jaguar CDs that went nowhere to like understand the level of crap that, again, one of our main characters in this legendary genius game company. My dude worked on Paws of fucking Fury.
2: Oh, come on. There you was, understand?
3: There was also, Paws of
2: Fury. There was also those Hall of Fame releases, Vigilance and Laser Arena. I mean, come on. These are, you know, everybody was playing Laser Arena back in the day. I, was, I mean, he was a
3: glorified intern during this era, but the point that's still, on his Moby Games page, he has a lot of insane shovelware. Unfortunately, press.
2: the unreleased Beat Him and Eat 2, which is heartbreaking <laughs> for me, as you know, Jake, because I really love some beat'em, and some eat'em. But regardless- Obviously,
3: I'm a Custer's revenge man. <laughs> and I just, you know, it's like
2: Battlefield Call of Duty. We'll just never see eye to eye. Uh, Jason West was a software engineer for N64 games such as Aero Fighters Assault and F1 World Grand Prix 2 before moving on to Allied Assault which was made by a group called 2015 Inc. And that included Zampella and West. It was a team assembled by Tom Kudurka in the in 1997. He pulled folks from the FPS mod community to make a Quake mod as a playable demo for the team, which was sent to Activision. Their first gig was an expansion pack for the game Sin. If you remember Sin, Sin
3: was, Sin was, Sin was nobody remembers Sin. People, nobody some remembers.
2: people uh, look back fond a little fondly on Sin. Sin. They made this expansion pack called Wages of Sin, and of course, Sam and West were not a part of the crew at the time. Uh, we are talking. We, by, by the way, th- this group of uh, ragtag individuals. This was a living room made into a dev studio. The classic just dude sweating it out in a little house to try to make money making video games. And this is around the time where we get, yes, one Steven Spielberg interested in making another game in his Medal of Honor series, but had not have any longer a development studio to get it done because DreamWorks Interactive, who made the first two games in the series, uh, was sold to uh, Electronic Arts after their game Trespasser failed to meet expectations.
3: So the 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 legend is that uh, Steven Spielberg was in production trying to get uh, Saving Private Ryan made, one of his all time great love letters to the World War II generation, um, and he noticed his young son. Playing GoldenEye64 mm. and saw that it was compelling and violent and flashy. And Steven Spielberg, as we've covered in the E.T. episode and the Jurassic Park episode, huge gamer, had arcade cabinets installed and on his movie sets, uh, loved playing Nintendo, obsessed with electronic Even hire hougars.
2: jocks to pants him just from time to time throughout <laughs> the day, just to really get him in the gamer mindset. You know what I mean? And, uh, and uh, yeah his wife would uh, kiss a big muscle yeah, guy in front yeah, of him yeah. while he
3: got sand kicked in his yeah. face, just to really feel that gamer <laughs> spirit. Um, so... He used his connections at DreamWorks Interactive to create the first Medal of Honor game, and it played basically like a really limited golden eye port with World War II guys, uh, you know, Nazis and allies fighting each other. It sold fine but didn't set the world on fire. And uh, he really felt like there was more to be done. and I this is this is hearsay. this is hearsay, but I think when he when he wanted to revisit the idea, He was like, so I want like a really cinematic experience. I want people to like be in the trenches. I want them to feel what it was like to storm the beaches of Normandy. And they were like, you can't do that on a PlayStation. You're going to have to use like, uh, you know, you'll, you'll need, maybe you could do it on PC. And he's like, well, who does the best stuff on PC? And they're like, well, id Software has the Quake engine. They make these immersive 3D worlds. They might be able to do it. Id can't do it. So, id was like, well, we're not, we're, this isn't in our wheelhouse. We don't want to work with this publisher. Um, Also, the subject matter really isn't our like cup of tea. But you know, this 2015 group, they really know our engine. They can really make it shine. They've done stuff with it. You know, it's all modders who are really like into the tech. I bet they'd be able to give it a shot. And so, (laughs) 2015 gets a call from Steven Spielberg's assistant. And it's like, hey, can you make this basically Saving Private Ryan the video game? And they absolutely do. Yep. They absolutely nail it. It has uh, incredible music. I actually watched a playthrough of this. um, uh, Music by Michael Giacchino, who has done work on films and TV shows. He's like a legit movie soundtrack guy now. You storm the beaches. You infiltrate behind enemy lines and find, like, spies. You go through all this stuff. And this is like bombastically cinematic gameplay. This is blowing people away. Like A a shooter like this has never felt this epic and movie-like
2: in a way. Was this the first Storming of the Beaches of Normandy game? Uh, Do you remember? This is definitely the most iconic. This is the
3: bombshell one. The World War II shooter is not even really a thing. I kind of remember game. that
2: even just being a huge deal, especially on the heels of Saving Private Ryan because that opening scene was so iconic and it was like, hey man, remember how fucking crazy that was? Do you want to like play that and be in that? No. No, not at all. Why would I <laughs> would do that? It was like, yeah, I bet you want Hitler to fucking slap your dick, don't you? I bet you like that. And I was like, no, I don't like any of that. But I, yeah, it was this incredible breathtaking moment storming the beach in that game. It was like just this wild, like I can't believe they made this an interactive experience because it is really, really like gets you into the, to that whole world in a, in a terrifying way.
3: And one of the other things that it really does uh, kind of much better than GoldenEye and other games of the era is it really has this like run and gun kind of sensibility where you're picking up ammo, you're pick, you know, you're not like you will never run out of guns. There's always a machine gun encampment. There's always a fun chase scene. There's always something happening with the soundtrack pumping. You know, people just being like, Lieutenant Powell, get down. Like, you gotta plant the explosives. Just everything is sweepingly epic.
2: Oh and my God, my fucking dick shut off. Shut off, man. It's not there anymore, man. What's Hitler gonna slap,
3: dude? <laughs> <laughs> and it should be noted that I, I honestly believe this. The just entire trajectory of the modern shooter was kind of jump started by Medal of Honor: Allied Assault because in a post uh, Columbine world, your dooms, your quakes, there was this whole like kind of anti FPS juju out there that was like you know you couldn't be too bloody, you couldn't be too satanic. Like the eyes were on the industry to like minimize the kind of like moral panic out there but because it had the spielberg prestige and they were honoring you know the, you weren't slaying demons with like a dildo crucifix dagger you were the fucking you were the boys you were the boys over there Ra rah, rah hoo you're fighting nazis damn it you're fighting nazis so, like, it allowed the culture to indulge in the addictive gameplay yeah. of an FPS in a way that was more socially responsible, and so that opened the floodgates. In the same way that Doom launched a bunch of clones, Quake launched a bunch of clones, there was just, it was it was all hands on deck for the era of the... Brown World War II shooter.
2: So then you've got a few people from that company, uh, 21 employees, I believe, to be exact, including one Vince Zampella and uh, uh, Jason West, to go off and strike out and create their own dev company, uh, which they called Infinity Ward. And this is all people from 2015. They were like, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do our own thing now." And they dubbed their next project "The Medal of Honor Killer," quote unquote. And this is kind of a funny beginning of a trend that we see again with Titanfall, where it's them competing with their own creation. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so interesting. And, and honestly, it's like that's how good they are. They they you know, it's when somebody's so good, the only. Pro- a person they can compete with is themselves, you know, (laughs) as they're just so top of the line. So they go off and start working on this game called that would eventually be called call of duty.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U S economy in 2022 investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea energy and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes!
3: Zampella and West were kind of getting chafed from their corporate overlords at EA. Uh, if you remember our Electronic Arts episode, EA was pretty much the big publisher of the era. Uh, Activision was having hits with um, stuff like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, uh-huh. but it was this was still Bobby Kotick's like weird idea to revitalize a brand on this generation of video games. Like it wasn't the buh 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 ch 1000000000000 dollars Activision Blizzard behemoth that we now know it to be. In fact, if anything, Call of Duty pretty much put Activision over the edge to become this insane entity within the world of video games. Um, so they were taking a risk, jumping ship to Activision, who was promising them better uh, creative control, better a better cut of the pay. And, you know, they just said, fuck it, let's do it. And so they start making Call of Duty, which people had um, basically roundly said was better than Medal of Honor. There was more bombastic set pieces.
2: The first Call of Duty is not like the Call of Duty you now know. This is is the beginning of the giant, you know mammoth success Call of Duty that we come to, you know, with Black Ops and Modern Warfare and stuff like that. This first right. one is a little bit more reigned, and it's only on PC, I believe, as well. Uh, c- correct? I think it's Call of Duty 2 the first console effort they make. Uh, uh, but it has more squ- uh, AI squad members
3: running around, yes. so you get these, like, big battle scenes, uh, more vehicle segments, more chase segments, and they're continuing that just kind of bombastic cinematic larger than life it's half tech demo but still the shooting feels great and
2: they just here's something that'll blow your mind it was actually one of the first uses of aiming down iron sights for a more accurate shot like holding down that you know right click or whatever to get
3: oh yeah yeah you're still hip firing back in medal of honor and
2: i remember that from medal of honor i remember how it was like really kind of hard to you know really dial in your shots being accurate because it's you didn't have that. You just had a gun kind of coming up from like the left <laughs> or the right in this weird way, you know. Uh and and it it was it was definitely such a bizarre. These episodes are always interesting because I'm like, oh right. They didn't just immediately think of that. That fundamental to FPS games thing that, you know, they had to they had to innovate on that. And I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And it's published by Activision. They make it on a budget of four point five million dollars. And it's a huge hit with gamers and critics alike. It is, uh, you know, it definitely it definitely does quite well. Not again, though. It's only on PC. Call of Duty Two is released on both PC and console, and they make even more strides with the genre. Uh, they actually didn't do Call of Duty 3. Call of Duty 3 was the other dev group that started making- Treyarch. Treyarch, right? And they, they're which, still uh, synonymous. Which famously
3: got their start doing the Saturn port of ah. Tony Hawk's pro skater.
2: And uh, Dick slapping Hitler, I believe, which came out on the, uh, I believe that also came out on the Jaguar, of course.
3: Now, do you play as Hitler or <laughs> the Dick's being slapped? Because either one makes me very the uncomfortable. The
2: secret boss is a penis that gets slapped. But yes, you are mostly playing. <laughs> playing as Hitler's mustache. And you're just Hitler's hand. Uh, you're a talking hand.
3: Uh- <laughs> okay. okay, so I play as the hand. That actually gives me a little bit... Because that means I get to hold the gun that kills Hitler. Yes,
2: you get to hold the gun that you can slap Hitler the whole time. He's like, and you, you know, why you hit yourself? Why you hit yourself? And it's such a bad game. Everything about it's bad. They used actual, you know, they use actual. Uh, what should we call it? Oh God, I can't think of the things to so drop that joke. You get to aim down the dick. Yes, totally. Oh, FMV is what I was going to say. These actual FMV uh, uh, sequences as well. It's just this woman mm. with her breasts out. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Anyways. Next up, though, they innovate again by saying, hey, man, we're not just going to be up in history, son. We're not just going to be in fucking World War II town where everything's all bullshitty and antiquated. We've got Call of Duty Modern Warfare now, son. So
3: Activision fought them on this. They really had to go to the mat to make this happen. And it makes perfect sense because at this point between... Call of Duty, and the Medal of Honor series that was still going on, as well as other shit like, I don't know, Men of Valor, The Flight of Heroes. Like, there was just, everything was World War II tinged. They needed to break the formula. They wanted to break the formula. But if there's one thing a big publisher doesn't want you to do is break the formula. If anything, Activision, if we look back at their history with, like, Guitar Hero and Tony Hawk, the undisputed kings of running something into the ground till you can't squeeze any pennies out of it but they w- stood their ground and they wanted to take a risk on it and it paid off spectacularly call of duty modern warfare call of duty 4 modern warfare was a bombshell nothing else played like it nothing else looked like it um just everything from the use of modern firearms to a much more politically charged uh, you know, fighting evil bad guys on a sandy beach. Even cinematically, they did fun shit yes. like the nuke sequence, mm-hmm. where you had you got to watch your character choke out on the cold, dead ground. Uh, just n- just universally praised from the games press back when that meant a whole lot to your game success. Uh, and just gameplay innovations like the kill streak, uh, and just the way they designed their multiplayer maps explicitly for just like. The most uh, hectic and just active deathmatch options possible. Like they were just pushing it and pushing it forward and forward the whole time.
2: So now it's the late odds. The company boasts over 100 employees with Zampella as CEO and Jason West as president, co-CEO, and CTO. And Zampella and West then enter into contract negotiations with Activision, in which they make a deal to deliver Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 in exchange for big bonuses and creative control of the Call of Duty series. And this is where the sort of hero origin story begins. Activision creates this monster competitor for no reason, for themselves it is such a bungling i cannot believe this this whole part of the story there's a great interview with zampella and west where they get pretty candid and they're like yeah they're just trying to fuck us and we really don't get it and they're just such assholes and we we've made them so much money and we have no idea why they're doing this so there's a caveat
3: in call of duty is like if even if if you talk to someone and they're like hey do you play video games they're like no, I have right. no idea. Never played a single video game. Don't play them. Like, what about Call of Duty? Oh, I've played every Call of Duty. I have an Xbox in my apartment. I play
2: Call of yeah, Duty. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like FIFA. It, I think it's the only other game that you could compare it to FIFA in the sense of, like, people don't have an Xbox. They have a Call of Duty machine. Yeah. Like, they have, like, or they have a FIFA machine. That, those are, like, the pretty much the only two franchises that that earns that, Uh, you know, and, and it's, so it's wild how successful they made Activision and also in terms of Activision's financial security essentially it's like man they can fuck up in XYZ ways they can have all these issues we listen to our Activision episode if you want to hear more about all this stuff but you know buying up all these companies and dissolving them and kind of ruining dev groups and all these awful ways and you know they can, they can launch a bunch of failed games and no matter what at the end of the day they'll always have that security because of call of duty it is the thing that makes them d- safe <laughs> as a company just in the intervening
3: year like when activision started being available on the nasdaq their stock price was worth in a around the era of call of duty modern warfare uh it was launched at around two dollars 93 cents and then post call of duty modern warfare It jumped up to, let's say, hmm, how do we, where do we want to draw the line? Yeah, okay, around 2008, it jumped up to $16. Wow. It is now much, much higher because that's how stocks work. But, like, they literally turned the company into a behemoth. They turned it into this massive thing.
2: And they're still just like... And then the Behemoth tried... Yeah, they tried to fuck with the Golden And then the Behemoth tried to... Yeah, tried to crush them. And it's crazy because Activision adds a clause to this contract that states if they are fired the rights to Call of Duty would return to Activision. And it seems that Activision from then on out, very specifically sought to get them out, to fire them, to find grounds, to conjure them up like a bunch of fucking witches and fire them from Activision so that they could have their baby Call of Duty all to themselves. And it seemed at this point, uh, and, and so in February of 2010, Activision hires a law firm to investigate Infinity Ward. In March of 2010, they fired West and Zampella for insubordination on the grounds that they were being courted by EA, who was attempting to take Infinity Ward from Activision, which like, how? How are they going to just take Infinity Ward from Activision? It just doesn't really work like that. So the whole thing was messy. It resulted in this crazy court battle. Oh, and their bonuses were forfeited. So then there was counter suits, counter suits around the bonuses. They... Did end up settling out of court for a lot of money. But uh, Jason West had this to say about leaving Activision. We didn't leave. We were fired. That was a very traumatic time for us. We were trying to figure out what we wanted to do. And all the major publishers around the world started sending us emails. And our phones started ringing. So we got a lot of offers. And we looked at them. And the EA Partners deal gave us the independence and freedom and respect for our culture that we thought would allow us to make great games and get back to what our passion is and what we love to do. And we have seed capital and a publishing deal now so it's time to hire a team. It it was actually found out via a former director of IT named Thomas Finati at Activision that they did mount something called Project Icebreaker and And that had them accessing Zampella and West's work computers, emails, voicemails, and phones to spy on their own dev group, Infinity Ward, to dig up dirt. This is nasty shit. This is dirty, dirty shit going on.
3: So if you ask Mr. Bobby Kotick, uh, famous horrendous boss embroiled in multiple scandals uh he says in an interview uh you find out two employees are planning to break their contract keep the money you gave them (laughs) you mean the money they earned (laughs) for you right you did you make call of duty yeah you didn't make call of duty (laughs) they made call of duty Okay, you were willing to... Okay, so they were keeping the money you they earned for you. Okay, great. Um, steal 40 employees. And so what do you do? You fire them. Uh, and then you completely take the rights for their... Billion dollar franchise, yeah,
2: and and then don't continue give them making the money, money, money. you promised them, and don't get take yeah. away the money you promised them, which is so shitty. Uh, you know those bonuses are such a big incentive for those dev teams that are under horrible crunch that are. Don't see their wives and kids. They're just like, wait, you know, where's Daniel? And it's like, you mean daddy? It's not Daniel, it's daddy's <laughs> honey. You know what I mean? I mean, and all this kind of stuff is just like, I want to shoot him like the guns he puts in his games, you know what I mean? Or whatever the kids say, and they're screaming, they're shitting themselves. It's well, like, they
3: probably play a lot of first-person shooters, so they're naturally more violent
2: <laughs> and ready to kill. They're just like, mommy, mommy, I just shit myself. I'm like, you're twenty-two years old. You got bad parenting going on, and I'm not your fucking mom. I'm just at this bar. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I don't even know what's going on with that scenario, but we'll, Tactical
3: we'll get to go. kid coming. And then he just shits his pants. Yep.
2: <laughs> it's me. Slappy Hitler. Hey,
3: what's happening? I dick? don't want, Where'd I would prefer <laughs> And I'm not saying this in order to start a like funny Donkey Kong thing where right. you bring back
2: dick the slapping Hitler over and over a lot. Again, yeah. I would just really prefer you ask not- if we
3: don't <laughs> canonize noted genocide mastermind Adolf Hitler as a fun character.
2: We, we've established Dick slapping Hitler is totally separate from the historical <laughs> Adolf Hitler of the. What is Adolf hit? What is Dick slapping <laughs> Hitler? What is his main job? He's just a goofy guy. He (laughs) works at the FedEx. (laughs) Really unfortunate name then. I didn't realize. Totally. Yeah, 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 his his parents suck, dude. (laughs) Like, all he wants to do is slap dicks. (laughs) All right. What are we talking about here? We're talking about this very crucial moment in Respawn's history where they uh, they become Respawn. This court battle stuff, by the way, this is like... Totally haunting them the whole time they're joining on with EA and mm-hmm. making Titanfall. I mean, this this stayed with them for years. I will say it seems that, Jake, maybe you can back me up on this, they did manage to get a lot of money from Activision.
3: The actual amounts have never been disclosed because it was a settlement and NDAs were signed all around, but famously... Uh, Jason West left the courthouse smiling. Yeah, so uh, it was seemed to have been a very nice payday for
2: everyone. Yeah, when that Project Icebreaker stuff came out, I mean, they probably knew they were just totally in the clear. <laughs> like that's amazing to call it Project Icebreaker. Like, what yeah. are we in Top Gun? Anyways. So in April 2010, Zampella and West formed Respawn Entertainment with funding from EA via the EA Partners program. And they took 38 of the 46 Infinity Ward employees that resigned from Infinity Ward after the firings of West and Zampella. They took those people with them. EA executive David DiMartino said, The one unique element is that they didn't specifically approach us with an idea. They approached us with a concept that two really creative geniuses are going to get together, form a team, and make something special happen. Which is pretty unprecedented uh, unprecedented but they made Call of Duty and Call of Duty Modern Warfare so it's like the, and Medal of Honor and Medal and of and Honor uh, it, yeah. it it's crazy so they get to go make this thing but it's really interesting to see that they didn't just make they they didn't just make a Call of Duty clone for EA and EA let yeah. them not just make a Call of Duty clone it's a rare instance i know there's a lot of shit to be said about EA but I, I don't know if you have anything, but I don't really have anything in my notes that says EA was a, was a dick to them or that EA was bad in this story. It actually is one of the rare moments where I'm like, oh, EA kind of handled this pretty smartly,
3: right? Well, I feel like with the pedigree that they had and their uh, history of just not putting up with bullshit and being willing to let it burn down. If it means they get to hold on to what they believe in and the fact that they produce quality products, I think it just it gives them this rare, miraculous thing that very few dev studios get to have. I'm thinking of Bungie and what they've been able to do with Destiny. I'm thinking of like, but otherwise very insomniac in a little bit of a ways. But you know, the magic, the magic mix of Triple A resources and still just enough uh, self-determination to like have the game presented in a way they want to present it, Mm -hmm. which is uh, a very rare thing. And unfortunately, as a lot of these stories go with uh, stuff, you know, Bioware famously dropped the ball. Like all it takes is one big fuck up for the vultures to like sink their teeth in, have all the visionaries with the cards to play leave. And it all just gets swallowed up and it either continues as a shell of itself or it gets dissolved or folded into some other part of, you know, uh, so many companies get just turned into Call of Duty factories or Battlefield factories or whatever.
2: And also to their credit, at least as far as uh, Zampella uh, uh, is concerned, um, and I believe West too, they, they wanted to be very vocal and be like, hey, EA didn't make us make a battle royale. We wanted to make a battle royale, and we'll talk mm-hmm. about how that organically came about in the company, but I love that they immediately jumped on that grenade and was like, hey everybody, I promise you EA didn't come to us and say, hey, you're all fucked at and out of a job mm-hmm. unless you make us the next big battle royale, because that would seem like that would be the way of things, but they actually mm-hmm. came to it themselves. Oh,
3: we were awash in like, sh- shitty battle royale. Totally. Everything was getting battle royale At that royal
2: time, time, everything was getting the battle royale treatment, so when you saw another one be announced at that time, you were like, here we go, and especially, it's under the EA banner, right? Because you're like, great, they're going to make this awful. And then it ends up being one of the strongest free-to-play Battle Royale models out there, you know? So, uh, But anyways, let's get back to Titanfall. To start, they had a blank slate, as we said, and approached the first game with this open collaboration within the office and no market research. And they wanted to make something in the realm of sci-fi to compete actually less with Call of Duty and more with stuff like Gears of War and Halo. And I think that allowed them to branch out And actually, even though Titanfall, I do feel like is a Call of Duty competitor, that's not like I think that kind of just helped them mentally to like not put themselves in that position. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, you know, they already did it once
3: or if anything, they literally were just they just escaped the Call of Duty. Yeah. So. Why would they ever just voluntarily just go back to the same old shit?
2: So initially it was a man inside a human-sized suit, and apparently this suit just kept growing until it was like a full on mecha, and they add they they come they come up with come up with this idea of we've got you're the shooter, like like in Call of Duty, the but pilot. The, the pilot. like in Call of Duty, though, the pilot uh uh works like that but then the pilot can jump into this giant machine and and kind of have these combat scenarios on this whole other level which is brilliant by the way and such a good way to diversify that multiplayer experience that that l- combat loop much less how they so, apply it to the cinematic first-person story, which will come with Titanfall 2. Uh,
3: one early story I heard in a dev interview is that they were so like fresh and spanking like, new to this that they didn't even have the proper equipment to start like modeling stuff and to start like laying out prototypes. So the earliest visions of Titanfall were all clay models. They mm-hmm. were all just like the artists had to physically build these things. Uh, and, and yes, as you said the exosuit became a mech suit became a full-on mech and to the point where they had to keep finding smaller figures to (laughs) get the like height differential right and they settled on an army man was like how little they want the pilot to be versus how big the mech wanted to be there was other different ideas where you start out with a mech suit and then like as you take damage you get like flung out, and now you have to play as the little guy. But then designing levels that worked at all times on both levels was kind of like untenable because either you're overpowered or underpowered.
2: Plus, you want to feel that sense of upgrade. You want to feel like, oh, I earned this bigger, badder, cooler thing, you know? And so you want to start with the with the pilot and then move it. I totally see that. So
3: the uh and it was once they realized that you get to that the real joy was running around being the pilot and then getting to call your Titan down. Yeah. That is when the project then known as Titan War became Titan Fall. Now here is where uh you know and they're iterating they're having fun but they're still a new team And they desperately want to deliver something on time. They want to get their name out there. They want to prove they can ship a product. And they run into a weird little issue. And that is um, they don't have enough time to do a Xbox release and port it to the PlayStation. Uh, This is Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. The PlayStation 3 famously had a very... Uh, finicky architecture that was unlike the very PC-like architecture of the Xbox 360. So they were way more used to building stuff on x86 architecture. So they just like gravitated to, all right, we'll make this for Xbox. And then if we have time and money, which we'll definitely will, we definitely will, we'll be able to make it for PlayStation 3 as well. They did not. And now the time is really getting them under the gun. And very early on, they're like, we can't do a single player campaign. Yeah. We just, it is just not possible. We can like add single player ish story elements to the multiplayer and like, we'll have a multiplayer e campaign mode, but you still need friends. They did
2: a weird combo system thing for it. And it, yeah. And just the always need to be online nature of that and everything. Plus the, it being half a one thing, half the other, not enough of, either yeah it didn't people genuinely thought it was an xbox exclusive
3: for a long mm -hmm. time and that actually hurt titanfall 2 because people just assumed titanfall was an xbox brand yeah it, it and not realizing it was just like raw uh just fundamental logistics that kept it off the playstation i
2: definitely remember i mean first of all this was a time when multiplayer only was not as i think as Regularly occurring. You're telling me I got to pay full price? Right. Which I feel like Overwatch changed that in a huge way. There's so many different games that came out that's you know, Apex Legends eventually and all that kind of stuff Mm. will change that. But at this time, that was pretty unheard of, not having any kind of single player campaign mode. And I definitely recall this game being very much lauded in terms of game feel, in terms of the basic concept of being a really cool way to do multiplayer and everything and just do the uh, FPS experience. Even the art,
3: the graphics, the story, the technology, everything's Everybody was like, yeah, it's a shame that it's this finicky little almost project.
2: Because what they got is really good. But then they go off and make Titanfall 2. And I'm so glad they did. I'm so glad the first Titanfall isn't the only uh, version we get. Because Titanfall 2 is that whole package. It is really, really good. It is, re- you know, we've said it before. We'll say it again. And by the way, I don't know if it's... When this comes out, it might not be. But it's constantly going on sale. It was on sale for Steam on Steam for $5. And dude, $5, $20, whatever... It's so worth it just for that single player campaign. It is it is incredible. also I
3: didn't need to like load up EA Origin, yeah, which was that a was a huge awesome. blessing. I was like so happy that I don't have to like, you can just install it on steam and it'll run as soon as you click. It's
2: out. so um, worth it. It's so much fun. I'm very glad to have it on my PC now because it looks and runs great. And playing with the mouse and keyboard is a lot, a lot of fun to get to enjoy that really slick movement. And on a more even more precise level, it just, it really, really is just, they knocked it out of the park and it's, it is unfortunate too that, because I think of w- how Titanfall 1 went, and because it was definitely released in October of 2016, right up against Call of Duty Infinite Warfare and Battlefield 1. And, of course, Infinite Warfare and classic Activision, you know, evil.
3: Battlefield 1 was an EA game. Like, even, oh, like yeah, yeah. I remember specifically... Fans of respawn, people rooting for this team, being like, "What the fuck are you
2: doing?" Infinite Warfare. Do you even want this game to succeed? Infinite Warfare had incorporated all of those, like the wall running, the double jump. You know, they 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 all that stuff got incorporated into their Call of Duty game because they were like, "Oh shit, um, now we're in the future, so you can double jump Mm -hmm. and do all the cool shit that uh, you know, (laughs) respawn came up. with You can
3: press F to pay respects (laughs) with Kevin Spacey."
2: And so, yeah, they they man, Bobby Kotick and Kevin Spacey, just two cool guys. <laughs> so, yeah, that game really didn't amount to it as much as it should have. But I will say I think the thing to get across when it comes to that uh, single player story mode is they got together together. And they did these in-studio game jams to try to figure out different options for that mode. And they really went with this very mechanics-first approach to the story missions. And they would refer to these as action blocks.
3: I'm so glad you're talking about fucking action blocks.
2: Beca- and beca- well, that's, I think, the super impressive thing about it is every single level of the story mode feels different introduces a new really interesting concept the of course the big example is that time travel concept that crazy level but they did so much interesting stuff and so it always feels fresh you just not it never gets stagnant and by the time it's over you're just like holy shit that was just level for level fucking perfect which
3: when you real when you you can watch a gdc talk about how they came to the action block system you can uh there's an amazing uh youtube video by GameBrain, where they actually break down the effect and cause level uh, from the designers and the art team that made it work. But from moment to moment, as you play Titanfall Two, you are like kind of in this like little cube of neat shit happening, and you move on to the next one. And you and because the movement feels so amazing, and the art team did an incredible job of making all of these disparate areas, each with their own unique little gimmick to get through. Feel so connected. It really is this holistic, incredible experience.
2: Yeah, you you think about single-player experiences in every other first-person shooter, even a day outside of Titanfall Mm -hmm. 2, and it really, you realize like, oh, this is kind of just like a dark ride applied to, you know, you with a gun shooting people in the head, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're just throwing different things at you and they can be interesting set pieces and they're like, "Whoa, look at this." Or go through this cinematic thing. But uh Titanfall 2 just knocks out of the park in this way of like, "No, no, no, you're going to learn a whole different new like rule set and then we're going to iterate on it throughout the course of this level in ways that constantly impress you." And it's not just like, "Look over there, it's Dick slapping Hitler." And look over <laughs> there. Now you're in an airport. <laughs> Shooting civilians, you know what I mean? Oh, uh, we didn't even talk about No Russian when we were doing a <laughs> call. <laughs> By the of way, Duty these are the same down. guys that gave us No Russian, the crazy mission where you walk through an airport shooting civilians. And it is uh, pretty,
0: pretty
2: wicked, my friend. The, it's, for example, the level that Holden
3: and me and I keep talking about, Effect and Cause, uh, has you scramble through an abandoned laboratory and then you gain the ability to switch in real time between the laboratory as it stands abandoned and destroyed in the present overrun with like wild alien beasts and then the laboratory as it was in the past as you fight through soldiers and guards and robots and as you learn to switch between each reality you are like fighting two different fights at the same time and you are solving puzzles you're doing all this neat shit you're doing like It's portal Mm -hmm. meets Call of Duty, meets all this shit happening at the same time. Narratively, you're learning so much about the universe and how the status quo we understand in the game all makes sense and is the result of, like, decades of uh, cause and effect to the point where it's, it's such a brilliant moment where, like, you set off an anomaly that freezes time and you realize the plant is destroyed because... And the time anomaly that you're currently navigating was caused by you in the past starting the anomaly. And it's just this incredible moment of where level design, narrative design, and art design all combine into this perfect little chunk. Also, BT, Big Robot Daddy, I love you. I want to be inside you and use your flamethrowers. There's a great, again, this is the same video I was talking about before where, uh, you know, the level designer is like, all right, so I built this thing and it's a bunch of gray boxes and it's a bunch of platforms and I built it twice past and future. And then I hand it to the art team and they have to figure out how this fucking like Mario 64 level with guns (laughs) can make any coherent sense in a lived in universe. Mm -hmm. And it's an incredible thing hearing the art team talk about like, Well, why would there be these big walls? Maybe there are stacks of something. Well, that's not impressive. Like, this is a dark laboratory. Oh, it's people. They're in a cryo prison. And those are every wall is like filled with people. And that and but it's like abandoned. So the walls have fallen. And like, that's why there's all these like catwalks that have descended. And like, because it's a cryo lab, that's why when you fall, you die because there's gas down there. And like, how everybody on the team has to be firing at a hundred percent to nail that magic video game feel because it can't just be cool feeling. Otherwise it's just like a demo. It can't just be pretty because then it's just a boring AAA game. It can't just have a good story because then it's just something that fan fiction writers lose their minds about. Like it all has to work. And a part and So much of the stuff that happens in Titanfall 2, from the Apex Predator mercenary squad to uh, the bad guys that end up becoming champions and narrative characters, or the children of narrative characters, all tie into Apex Legends. And if you've never played Titanfall 2, you really got to. It is so goddamn fantastic.
2: Absolutely, absolutely.
3: Also, somewhere in the mix, Titanfall 1 was completely... uh, Destroyed by a singularly vengeful hacker that purposely went out of his way for years on end to make sure that entire servers would get nuked or entire lobbies would be kicked out to the point where they had to build custom servers that ran code specifically to keep that single hacker out. And then that hacker found a way to ruin that as well.
2: (laughs) So the team then decides to switch gears, not away from the first-person shooter format per se, but into the realm of the Battle Royale, a hot new genre in games established by player PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds and Fortnite. But this actually did come about organically and not as Also just,
3: Overwatch. They were also tapping into Overwatch the with the hero with the hero
2: shit. stuff, which is really, really smart. This was initially actually in development... During the Titanfall 2 single-player brainstorming sessions, there was one team that experimented with an action block that was based on this new popular genre. And it was a big departure from them in a few substantial ways, including going from solo to team-based play, as Jake mentioned, and focusing on the free-to-play model without that cinematic story mode. So... They were definitely concerned about breaking away from Titanfall with fans and also wanted to make sure folks knew that they were the ones that wanted to make a Battle Royale game, as I said, and it wasn't EA forcing it on them. Uh, They definitely also, in order to prepare for this, I love this, they took inspiration from Beyonce's way of releasing albums at the time, which was just to Mm -hmm. drop it as a surprise. And that was so smart because if they hadn't announced a Battle Royale game and with EA that was going to come out after a six month marketing push, that would have only given players time to complain that it wasn't Titanfall three complain that they don't need mm-hmm. another battle Royale complain that, mm-hmm. you know, this just looks like, what is this? You know, what, what is like, what are they even trying to do here? Like, they're just clearly like combining overwatch with, with uh pub or whatever, Fortnite, you know, yada, yada, yada. And, and it was just, I think really brilliant for them to be like, It's here. It's already dropped. Just try it. Just give it a shot. Mm -hmm. And if you hate it, move on. And most people didn't hate it. And I remember that being so surprising. Not only the surprise of just it coming out of nowhere, because I remember Games Media at the time was like, holy shit, Respawn just put out a fucking Battle Royale that's free to play. And here we go. I don't know about this because Mm -hmm. you know, I uh, hey, they're pedigreed. So we got to give it a shot. But
3: I think this is around the same time Cliffy B had his shitty like 80s retro one that came yes. out. Like we were, you know, uh, I, it's, this was so long ago. I I think uh, Gearbox was still trying to make Battleborn happen. Like there was just a lot but of this, fucking. Yes,
2: it was around oh, that time. Oh,
3: God. Yeah. God, you know, there was so much like just just shit just in the The
2: waters were chum. If they had tried to hy- hype that I don't think it would have gone well. It was very, very smart of them. Just be like, here it is. Just play it. And immediately it was like, this is strong. This is good. This is really smart. Uh, And eight hours after launch in early 2019, the game surpassed 1 million unique players. And it just grew from there. And this actually, as I mentioned, it came out in early 2019. So this the the whole, you know, and this is, it's a games as a service. It's, you know, the type of thing that needs to be constantly worked on and updated and they put it out right before pandemic hit. And that really did change how they went about it. And it involved a ton of remote work. Director Steve Ferreira said, Last year brought its own unique set of challenges and that many of our initial remote work solutions were intended to be temporary, but out of necessity, many of these have really evolved to become the new permanent way of working. For example, now we play test the game together as a team on a daily basis has been a tough nut to crack uh, and has required regular iteration. Just working around the logistics of downloading the game multiple times a day across different regions of the world with inconsistent network speeds throws a wrench into something we used to take for granted when we were in the same building and using the same high speed internal network and even just the fact that they're working on a games as a service model the constant need to update the constant this is the this previous season season 16 that's out right now or rather the current season Uh, is the first season they've done since the game launched where they didn't introduce a new hero, which is crazy. I mean, they have constantly felt this pressure to keep this game fresh, to keep the events going. I think it's like two events every season to keep new heroes coming out.
3: With all that being said, uh, a big complaint that Respawn got since its inception is that the content was slower Mm. than their competitors at Fortnite and Warzone and all these other things and it was in a Reddit AMA that Chad Grenier, the uh, game director, said that uh, we've always been, we're always going to be slower with content than other companies because we are not going to crunch. We are, we are not going to be scared of like just like being against the gun. We're going to put stuff out when it's ready. We'll be, he says, uh, we refuse to crunch the team. We'll probably be slower at making content than if we worked 15-hour days, but that's just not something we're willing to do. We've nearly doubled our team size since launch to accommodate the content demands, so we're really trying to bring you quality at a healthy pace.
2: There's also no plans for an Apex Legends 2. They are keeping it, just we're just going to keep building out this core game Uh, you know unlike Warzone unlike uh, Overwatch so yeah it is it's definitely this wild labor they've had and now they're split off because we're about to get into Fallen Order so now they have this ongoing team working on multiple teams working on Apex Legends I think they just got an office a new office in Vancouver that they opened up I think for Apex Um, and they're continuing to just expand 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 but it's pretty insane how consistent they've been able to be this whole time, not just with Apex and Titanfall before it, but now with Fallen Order. Let's get into it. And this involves-
3: Oh, wait, just, just one sure. uh, shout out to the writing team and the character design mm-hmm. team at Apex Legends uh, to not to make everything the fucking forever mind war, but a classic example of why uh, go woke, go broke is not uh, the law of the land. This team has assembled a cast of heroes that uh, even the fact that from the beginning, this they were getting shit because Lifeline was not like a traditional vava va sexy, you know, kind of Widowmaker Mercy character. Uh, Gibraltar was revealed to be a gay man. Uh, Bloodhound was uh, used they them pronouns and was non-binary. They've since put out uh, characters that are out as trans, bisexual. Oh, God, Loba. Sweet Loba <laughs> with the good, good Loba. Um like even uh, having characters like have crushes on each other and build and have their own unique uh, kind of reasons to be in the Apex games and the rich lore behind that is just a, they, you know, they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to do that at all, but they still like thought it was important to do their characters from all different backgrounds. It is a incredible achievement within the world of AAA kind of mainstream shooty shoot gameplay that all of these different characters have a place within this outland far frontier sci-fi world death sport that they've invented for this game.
2: So listen to our God of War episode to get the origin story of this guy. But I'll just say after finishing God of War 3, Stig Asmussen leaves Santa Monica Studio and joins up with Respawn in 2014. There was a lot of push and pull between Respawn, EA, and Lucasfilm when it came to early development of this game. EA initially turned them down when they came to them wanting to make a Star Wars game. And Lucasfilm also pushed back. They didn't want it to be about a Jedi, as that it was such an important element of the franchise. And they were protective of, and uh, very protective of that, and instead suggested they go with a bounty hunter or smuggler as the main protagonist. Stig said, "Well, I think you have the wrong person for the job. Uh, that's not my background. My background came from God of War. I've never worked on a shooter, and you need a different team to do that. You might as well be asking me to make a racing game. And eventually, over time, we built that trust to the point where we ended up calling it Jedi. Uh, of huh. course, uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. I uh,
3: they did a they did one of those like self serving like publisher produced." Uh, documentaries on Fallen Order for on YouTube, and I watched some of that, and they claim that uh, Stig was on board uh, specifically to make an original third person action game, and then they got the call, and they were told, like, you either we're either going to do this Star Wars game, or but you'll have to throw out everything you've worked on and start over for this.
2: I've read, so this is what I think it was: they initially tried to make a Star Wars game. They said, no, no, no. So they said, okay, fine. We'll start over. We'll make it an original IP. And then the thing they were making was so cool. They were like, wait, wait, wait. Actually, yeah, make it Star Wars. And they were like, fine. Okay. But it's got to be a Jedi. And they were like, we don't do Jedi shit with you, bro. We do it with our own shit. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? And the whole thing came down to like that that b- push and pull going back and forth to, to get it to happen.
3: And this is ironic because in our God of War episode... Uh, God of War 3 and Stig was like considered part of the downfall. This was when God of War was like on its way out. It was even though God of War was an incredibly bombastic like achievement in what you could do with a fucking PlayStation 3 or was it PlayStation 4? Whatever. It was very fancy and good looking. People consider one. And, you know, they brought back the God of War 2 guy to reboot it when all was said and
2: done that's right that's right and and i could see them being very protective about whatever star wars thing's going to come out because of how battlefront 2 went with ea and everything and i just think that there was very very touchy at th- at that time when it came to like because really st- oh this was in this was in the works for so long that i think like battlefield battle or star
3: wars Battle, what do they call it? I thought it, it was Battlefront,
2: God knows. Generic Star shitty Wars name Battle for Front. a Star Wars game too.
3: No, no, no. The original Battlefronts were I amazing. I know, I they know. I don't like the time.
2: naming convention is just very yeah, generic. Yeah.
3: Star Wars, I think they this was in the works for so long that I think the Battlefront 1 and 2 fiasco like happened in real <laughs> time while they were making theirs.
2: Writer Megan Fausti said, the pitch was that it's about becoming a Jedi. You don't begin as this powerful Jedi who knows all the tricks of the trade. You start as Cal, who was a Padawan back when the Order was still around. He experienced Order 66 as a Padawan, and now he's trying to relearn some of the things he knew in the past, as well as learn some new abilities. So the major influence was Rogue One and Solo, a Star Wars story, as well as the animated TV show, Star Wars Rebels. Essentially, the shit that went down between episode three and episode uh, four but also outside of that that sounds like a very canned marketing uh, little blurb about the direction they're going but it's so smart when you add that dark souls very intentional combat feel to this story and the whole, like, this is bigger than you. You're way in over your head. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to have to face some incredibly difficult foes and work and like be just figure it out and get better and get good. Right. Because
3: That's why that's one of the huge things about the Jedi in star Wars games from way back is if you make them, too overpowered, the game is, like, kind of not fun. Yeah. Because in universe, a Jedi can kick everybody's ass. Yes. But if you make him too weak... Then it's, you're like, wait, I'm a fucking Jedi. Why am I like getting fucking owned by Gungans?
2: Yes. Uh, And as Musen had this to say about it all, you have to be patient just like a Jedi. You have to look at your surroundings. You have to look at your enemies, identify their strengths and weaknesses and what you can combat them with. And like, I feel like we've had enough iterations as we talked about of the Jedi that can just wreck your shit and getting to like enjoy that power fantasy It was so much more interesting to me to be in this situation of we are going to like really act and think actually, though, like Jedi's in the movie and Jedi's in the movies are these thoughtful, very like it's mind over matter approach. Right. They don't you know. Yes, you have Darth Vader being fucking crazy, going ape shit in Rogue One like you have that for sure but you know a lot of the combat and everything it's very it's very dialed in it's very direct it's very calm and precise and they just like completely nailed that i'm also just massive fan of the genre right so i was so thrilled to see finally Star Wars taking on that kind of a genre, right? That the from that from software established with the Dark Souls games and Bloodborne and, and Sekiro and everything. You know, it was just it was it was like. I mean, it's a little bit Dark Souls. It's a little bit
3: Uncharted. Yeah. It's
2: a little bit everything, and it's a little bit Metroidvania as well. And that influence on the level design, exploration, upgrade path is very present and very solidly done, in my opinion. They definitely they they particularly cite Metroid Prime. Uh, uh and it's uh, metro prime's frequency of new upgrades as a constant drip that was very much an influence for them i'm actually playing that metro prime remake right now so i very much feel that like mm. they metro prime is constantly giving you the upgrades and i I do feel like super metroid pulls that off really well too Mm -hmm. so that you just you're never you you almost feel like it comes almost too fast but if they slowed it down it would it would i think make things more stale that they're always like here's a new cool looking gun that does something totally different or here's you know or now you can just move freely underwater like i just got that upgrade And, and 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 it does just like Constantly make the game exciting for you, and and they do a great job with that. I love their map layouts. I love that they. I I, I saw they're including fast travel in the new game, but I love the absence of it. It makes it feels very soulsy and and fallen order uh, in a way that I like. That it's about it, it's more about coming up with really intricate, interesting map structures that allow for shortcuts to be unlocked later that can get you through the map really fast. I, I just I'm such a fan of all of the influences they that they put into this game. That I am just, I was so just head over heels for Fallen Order, and I cannot wait for the new game.
3: And it's and it but it it's also important from the perspective of respawn in that it's a completely different team yeah. than the uh people that kind of had the same lineage for all the way from Medal of Honor to Apex. And it really speaks to uh Vince Sampella as this kind of like leader guru kind of guy who can like keep the publishers uh, at bay and keep his team motivated. He uh, in interviews talks about how it's, you know, as the company has grown and struggled, he still tries to get as many people in the same room as possible, tries to keep ahead of everything, tries to like be in touch with everything that's happening at the studio. And he, he seems like a very engaging guy. He uh, has a very boyish demeanor. He even has like a slight like a speech thing going on where like once in a while he'll do like a lispy like, this is incredible, like (laughs) just kind of thing, like classic nerd voice kind of guy. And, you know, I I honestly don't know if he ever leaves because Jason West, either from the struggle from the lawsuit with uh, from Activision or internal debates, like it's never – it has always been said he left to spend more time with his family. Yes. It's never been more clear than that, but it really is Vince on his own kind of like keeping this thing together and keeping it, uh, as it is. And so like, if he ever leaves, I don't know what's going to happen to this.
2: Company. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I don't think it'll be the same respawn at all. And, uh, They really are to thank for so many things. I I honestly feel like Jedi Fallen Order is more important than just being a really strong Star Wars game, which was much needed at that time. It's kind of a lot to thank for making the very solid case that, uh, yeah, actually people still do want single player Mm -hmm. cinematic experiences. And we don't just want free to play online loot box crunch battle models pass. battle yep. pass like it, it, because at the time back in 2017 if you don't remember ea closed down visceral games and that studio's development of a single-player narrative game because according to ea cfl blake jorgensen when it came to linear gameplay experiences quote people don't like them as much today as they did five years ago or 10 years ago and the the real feeling out there was giant studios don't see the dollar bills and the types of games that people do still want and that's such a shame and that sucks the idea that they're just going to make these exactly battle pass heavy multiplayer online experiences because that is yes a great great fun part of gaming but for me especially like i'm I I would get rid of all of that just to continue to, enjoy, you know, if it meant getting to enjoy more single player games in the realm of Dark Souls or in the realm of like that Titanfall to cinematic story mode. Like that is that is my shit personally. So uh, it's I like the- uh, love that this game came out and was so successful as I think it did prove a big point to EA and other AAA game game companies. Absolutely.
3: And then, oh, God. And then, yet still, they managed to fuck it up with stuff like the fucking Avengers game. And of course. The, and did that fucking um, Suicide Squad game come out yet? Are people still getting mad
2: I at I literally just saw right before this, they are pushing it to 2024. They're pushing to, it to, to like- To
3: fix it, to get it. To fix like, it. Yeah, yeah. Because oh, it, so,
2: it was full of that- shit that and, loot box shit and then people were like fuck this where's that batman arkham city shit <laughs> that we lo- was such so good and was devoid of all this shit and and so it is no
3: no no don't you want to get extra xp points for right. the, from the battle pass for crafting supplies so annoying Hey,
2: welcome to FedEx. Where's
3: your dick? Where's
2: your dick, Dick? Where's your dick? Uh oh, Dick Slapping Hitler's here. That means we gotta wrap things up pretty soon, me. Thanks. I'm
3: sorry, did you say this employee's name was Hitler? That can't <laughs> no, be no, no, right.
2: No, it's Dick Slapping Hitler. It's a completely different thing. He's just a wait, guy. Is, he doesn't look wait, anything is, like Hitler, but he just likes slapping Hitler. Is his first name
3: dicks. Dick? His <laughs> middle name is Slap. It's his first name Dick Slapping Hitler? Or <laughs> I have so many questions it's, about this universe you've voiced me into... me. I
2: just came to this Kinko's to make some copies. His and now I'm just confronted by this absurdity. Sir, sir, I can answer all of this, and you're gonna laugh and feel so ashamed of yourself oh, after I explain this. So- his first name is Dixla. His last name <laughs> is <laughs> Pin <Penn laughs> Hitler. Okay. <laughs> so not only is Hitler not in his name at all as a singular oh, part of thank his name. Oh my god. It's it's okay, yeah.
3: some it's a phonetic thing. I, it's, there's no relation yeah, you to you the fucking famous idiot dictator. Yeah, you
2: fucking moron.
3: <laughs> okay, because I'm Jewish and I got very right. scared. And I totally when you get said. that.
2: Now, okay. Jewish or no, unfortunately, this grown man will have to slap your dick. <laughs> but once he's Fair done, he'll give you. <laughs> <laughs> Say
3: no more, good sir. I am erect and ready. <laughs> All right. We didn't need you to be erect, sir, for the scenario. In fact, flaccid is probably better. Well, listen, I entered this Kinko's erect, and I'm going to leave erect. Officers arrest that man. He's hard in the FedEx. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no.
2: <laughs> so a sequ- They
3: let me. Ah.
2: <laughs> so Je- Star Wars Jedi Survivor was announced back in 2022. Stig Asmussen returning as director and the game is being released i think it will have been released it is slated for april 28 of 2023 i'm very excited because that first great game they kind of needed to like prove themselves to lucas arts like that they could make one of these and they could be really good whereas whereas uh, survivor is them being like this is going to be bigger this is going to be more developed more iterated on and I, it's it's a much welcome sequel. I, I think they did such a good job with that first one. So hopefully there won't be those cynical money grabbing elements to it, and we can just enjoy a good single player game again. Um, I have one good quote from Jason West uh, to close things out. Do you have anything else you want to say about Respawn? Uh, or, you know,
3: uh, I this this really floored me. I had no idea going into it just how deep their legacy goes. How they pretty much are responsible for. Uh, The legacy of the modern military shooter and how with Apex they've kind of moved past it and enhanced it and have kind of uh, grown with the uh, ways that gamers have engaged with clicking on heads in a uh, fun leisure setting we could have done a whole episode on apex mm-hmm. just the way that game has evolved from season to season uh-huh. we could have done a whole episode on call of duty and its own legacy and the way it's changed over the years we could have done a whole episode on every single part of this company's legacy so if you have uh, if you're mad we didn't mention something i am sorry there was so much to cover um but dear god i am not, i am rooting for this company yeah. in a way that uh also, dear, they jumped ship from Activision right before the shit hit the fan there. God damn. Yeah.
2: It was really good. They're very fortuitous, actually. They're they're I, I kinda am bowled over by this group. Kind of unlike anything I think we've covered yet, where they really don't even have that sore spot where it's like, yeah, and then they put this game out, then they put Boogerman 2 out on the <laughs> You know, on the Sega CD and it was a dark time for the company. Like, no, they just, it seems like they just keep crushing it, man. It's fascinating. All right, here we go. The quote from Jason West. And then we're going to get out of here. I think when you build an environment where a team gets to control their destinies and they get to control their games and they get to control their brand, that passionate love shines through. And I think the fans appreciate that. And that's critical to success. I think. And I could not agree with you more, Mr. West. I think that that is exactly what made Respawn so successful. that, that, That really, this passion and this positive work environment, from all what it seems like, based on everything I've seen this week, is what is creating these knockout hits over and over again. Not you know i'm sure there's crunch in that company but i'm not reading a lot about crunch i'm not reading a lot about corporate pressure in fact i'm reading the opposite it seems like ea for once is like letting them do their thing and they're just killing it and i could have things wrong who knows but as of now it seems like respawn is uh fan fantastic A a great place to work at so we'll see We'll see what happens. I'm sure in a week or two, we'll get some report about how they all like molest each other. But.
3: Literally next week. like <laughs> molesting as rock the video games industry. <laughs> Grabby Tuesdays was uh, a long held industry they secret to until hire, a whistleblower. They
2: seem to hire this man named Dick Slad and uh, since then. <laughs> It turned into a hellscape of of sexual assault. All right, anyways, uh, uh, we got to get out of here. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for our Respawn Entertainment episode. If you'd like to support us further, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. That's patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. We have weekly bonus episodes for $5 a month. And for $15 a month, you can join us on Sundays for our Sunday study session. And that is a great time where we all hang out and cover whatever topic we're going to be researching that. That week, uh, I've, we played Apex Legends on the last one in preparation for this uh, Respawn episode. So check us out on there, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. If you'd like to follow me further, uh, come on over to Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash hoe. I stream Monday through Friday, very different streams all throughout the week. Uh, the schedule's all over the place, but Monday through Friday streams, check me out on there, twitch.tv forward slash ho. Jake!
3: And hey, I also do a little streamy thing. It's called The Cartoon Dumpster. It happens every Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern. We watch weird old bad cartoons, and uh, I sass him up as my funny little silly little man, Puppet Jared. Uh, It's my VTuber avatar. Don't worry, you'll get it as soon as you watch. Uh, Just go to twitch.tv slash puppetjared or youtube.com slash puppetjared thursday 7 p.m eastern you'll have a fun time also yeah twitter.com slash at best jake young instagram at best jake young and uh hey wizard bruiser lpn on tiktok why the fuck not all the plugs you're getting plugged left and
2: right <laughs> and always remember never stop and bruising keep on whizzing.
1: this show is made possible by listeners like you Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the
2: one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com/investinginamerica. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny.
1: Yes.